Here, what is going on, everybody? We are back with episode 33. And for those of you guys watching, it's just me. This is our first ever solo podcast. It's been requested a few times. I've always been in favor of having other people on. That way, if I'm talking some crazy shit, I can have someone like, you know, question like, bro, what the fuck are you talking about? Or just to get other opinions. But this has been requested, and it leaves me no excuse for bringing you guys some more episodes. I asked for a bunch of questions that you guys had for me on my Instagram. If you guys aren't following me on there, you're kind of fucking missing out, bro. But we're just going to dive right into it. Oh, excuse me, man. I'm drinking this, this, this rise fuel right here. Got me burping, bro. Got me burping crazy. But if you guys do enjoy this, and you guys like this style of just me going over various topics or whatever, make sure you let me know. Whether it's on my personal Instagram, the out-of-pocket Instagram, wherever. Just, just let your boy know. But we got a handful of questions, and we're just going to go right into it. A lot of the questions that I do get are very much uh, guys, typically younger guys, asking about, like, females. And, and one of the questions I got right here is, how do you know if they're the one? I feel like with a guy, at least for guys in general, like, you just know. Like, with Chase, it was just, I, I don't know how to describe it. Um, I do think this right here is a little bit of a hot take, and I've explained this to a couple different people. So... When I was single, I talked to a handful of girls, right? That's just that's just what I, I did. But what advantage that gave me is that when someone comes around that stands out, a.k.a. my girlfriend and future wife, I can very easily tell that she is very different than everybody else. But if you never have talked to really anybody, the first person you talk to is going to stand out. There's not really anything to compare to. Um you should just have a gut feeling, to be honest. That's what it comes down to. Like, it should just be easy. Like, everything should click. It shouldn't be a force. Like, if you ever have to sit back and be like, damn, why is it this hard? It should never be that hard. Now, if you are younger, one thing to keep in mind, though, is that when we're immature, we don't really know how to be in a relationship, to be honest. Like, I look back at the shit I did and how I acted and, like, I wasn't, like, I couldn't look outside of the situation. I couldn't take a step out and look objectively and be like, damn, you're out of line. It'd always just be ego, ego, ego. And that is not going to get you anywhere, especially as a guy in a relationship. Sometimes you just got to take the L. You might know you're right, uh, but you just got to take the L. Or, like, some things just aren't worth fighting for. And most of the time when things are going wrong in a relationship, it's the breakdown of communication, right? For example, I do something... I don't think anything of it, but it offends, it offends, you know, my partner, right? It offends Chase. And then I'm like, why the fuck are you mad? Like, I didn't even mean that. Versus being like, I didn't intend for that to upset you. Like, I can now have her explain to me why that upset her and understand. 90% of the arguments are literally just like misunderstandings. Like, someone does something and the other person is just like, I'm not too sure why, uh... Like, you're reacting like that. Like, it might be, like, actually, the perfect example of this, of maturing in a relationship, is I used to always be, like, well, like, I wouldn't get mad if they did this. So, like, why the fuck are you mad? You shouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad. But, like, you're not the same person. Like, what I might find disrespectful might not be the same as, as Chase. And, like, in your case, it might be, might be different. So, you should have that gut feeling of knowing, like, this is someone that, like, they just bring me joy. They just make me a better person. And as a guy, I think you get an internal feeling of like, I need to be a better man because this person is now in my life. 
Like, I can't let this person down. And for those of you guys that are younger and listening to this, it might be a little bit hard for you to, like, grasp that. You might not be there, right? You're in fucking high school. But, like, it could be the driving factor. Like, I need to be able to provide. At the end of the day, that is, like, the, this, this, the rooted into guys is, like, your ability to protect and provide. The two Ps. That's it. Right? And, and for females, it's, like, their ability to care and, and nurture and, like, raise the family, so to speak. Obviously, you know, the, the provider as far as breadwinner could go both ways. You guys both could be contributing. But, like, if she doesn't like that, like, fire, like, this is, it's more, more than just me. Like, I, I got to be able to provide for her. Then, like, you should know that she's not the one. If you're really young, it is tough, though, to decide, like, who, like, is this girl going to be the one? Because you're so young. It's really hard to tell. Um, and it's like, if you're like in high school, I've made this analogy before. There is some cases that are not like this. Uh, my girlfriend's parents have been together since they were at a young age. But like for me, I didn't become who I am now or figure out what I wanted to do until much later in life. Me at 18 is way different than 20 and 20 is way different than 22 and 22 is different than 24, which is how old I am now. You guys probably thought I was old as shit. But a lot of the times, like, in high school, like, you guys don't really have anything going on. You guys really haven't found yourself, haven't haven't fully come out of your shell, become who you are. And then, like, you go down this path, and, like, you guys just start to, like, distance of who you guys actually are, whatever you guys are into, morals, opinions on things, whatever. And, like, you have it in your mind, like, nah, like, this, she's going to be the one. And you force the connection that's not there. And so you're trying to grow together, but, like, one person's all the way over here, and the other one's all the way over there, and it just creates a bunch of tension, and it's just force. Now, there are some cases to where, like, you guys actually can grow together, but, like, that's that's obviously not as common because it takes a lot up here of, like, being able to understand one another and understand, like, how people think. Um, so, like, to sum up the question and make it a lot shorter, bro, it literally is just a feeling that you get. It's so hard to describe. Any any of my fellas out there in a relationship, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just that gut feeling. You're just like, yeah, nah, nah, nah. She's she's the one. She's just she's just different than everybody else. And then to tie into this, uh, someone asked, how do you know whether the relationship you're in is good for you or not? This is the best analogy that I could possibly give. How do you know if a relationship is good for you or not? And this applies to people that you're not just seeing romantically. This could apply to, you know, a friend, a business partner, whatever. You need to sit back and think about, like, what your goals and aspirations are and what you're currently doing to reach those. And then ask yourself, does this person add logs to my fire? Are they feeling my fire or is this just a person that's trying to sit next to my fire and catch the warmth? Because in life, you want people that are adding, you know, wood to the fire. Like if it's a girl, it could be she makes your life easier, right? She'll do your laundry for you. She's there to support you. She's there to lift you up when you're down, right? If it's a business partner, it's someone that's actually adding value to you. Like you can see it. Like they're busting their ass trying to make you better business. You know, they have these strengths. You have these strengths. You guys are working together. Or a friend, someone that's there to support you, not someone that's always trying to compete with you or like shit on your dreams or shit on your goals. That doesn't add to your fire. And like it's a very hard thing to do. And it's something that I credit a lot of me growing up was my ability to realize that, like, certain people are not meant to stay in my life. They were just a chapter, right? They were there. We were friends. Everything was cool. But, like, I'm growing and growing and growing, like, mentally. I'm not even talking about, like, falling or anything like that. Like, I'm growing up as a person. And some of these people are, like, 
on the bandwagon and you can or like falling behind out on the bandwagon falling behind and like obviously it's not just like oh shit i'm 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 making it happen way faster than them like no you try to like bring some of these people with you but you can't put everybody on and like sometimes you just got to be like we aren't on the same wavelength and like there's no benefit to us just hanging out anymore right like you got to cut some people off some people will not make it through I've had, I have one long standing, like really close friend and that's Carice and he lives now in Texas and that's been since like seventh grade, but I've had a handful of people I could list off influencers that you guys know that played a role in my life and now we don't really talk. I'm not saying that we're not cool or anything. They just played their role. So like if they're adding fuel to your fire, keep them in your life. If they're not, don't because you're going to argue too. That's one thing like, oh no, we fight. You're going to have like miscommunication is going to happen. It's the couples that can fight the best that last the longest, right? You're going to have disagreements. But like overall, the big picture, are they adding value to your life or are they kind of just, ah, uh, they're just there kind of catching the warm pick. Yeah, she's nice to have around. Like if you think that she could be replaced, she's the, not the one. It's it's simple as that. Um, So a big question that I got is the full backstory of my life. I'll go into that. I'll probably finish off with that. That'll be me rambling on for for a good amount of time. Um, But a question that I always get is like, do I have any regrets? Or specifically in this, if you could go back and save yourself from any bad decisions, would I? No, I would not. There's nothing that I've done. At least in my like present career, you guys see on social media, I haven't done anything stupid that's like fucked me over and like, oh, damn, like... I wish I wouldn't have done that. No, I've been, I've been smart. And any mistakes that I made when I was younger or whatever, that made me who I am today, right? I'm who I am because of the stupid shit I've done or or anything like that. So, like, I don't live thinking, like, ah, that was a bad thing. In the moment, I was like, fuck. You know, I, I fucked up in school, lost financial aid, stupid shit like that, right? I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, that was a dumb decision. That was really bad. But looking back at it now... Made me who I am, right? Like, without that, if I went back and changed that, you guys might not be talking to me, right? I might not be the same Jay Lane. I might not have the the wisdom and the and the knowledge and the experiences that I, I carry with myself every single day. So I never have that mindset of like, oh, I really fucked up. Now, if it was like maybe I fucked up for a show and like I cheated or some shit and it, it spilled me for the show. I couldn't win pro. Yeah, that's different, but I haven't had any, any, any situations like that yet. <sighs> Gotta stay caffeinated. I'm telling you that shit, that shit is crack. Uh, also I wanted to stop right now and say thank you guys for the support. Uh, you guys using my code for rise young LA. It means a lot. I eventually, if I can fucking be consistent, I, I want to get to the pod or the pod to the point where we can have sponsorships. If you guys are OG fans, you guys know that we were with, I think I'm technically still with the manscape, but like I, I started using that. I started cutting myself and like, I didn't want to push that to you guys. Obviously I might've been able to make some money off of it, but like if I didn't really like the product that much, it wasn't my go-to electric razor. I didn't want to force that on you guys, but like. I appreciate all you guys that sit here and listen and, uh, I don't know, get to connect and get to, get to know me a little bit better. Um, my girlfriend asked, what's the key to making a perfect relationship? I think it kind of ties into what I said earlier about the, the communicating, right? You got to be able to recognize and diffuse, right? People are going to be in the wrong. You're not always going to be in the right, you know, and sometimes you got to be the bigger person and just take the L, um, and finding balance and understanding, 
your partner is huge. Understanding how they receive love, um, things that you might do that they might find disrespectful, they might find a little aggressive. Like it just really comes down to being vulnerable with one another and understanding each other. Like I know Chase like the back of my hand. If there's something wrong, I know that something's wrong, whether she wants to tell me or not, because. I study her. I, I see her, man. The reason I see how she acts, like, you just got to be able to read the room. Uh, and you got to be able to adapt and make sacrifices. I'm not saying you got to give up everything, but, like, there's another person involved. You got to be willing to sacrifice. And you got to be willing to put a little bit more And Sometimes your partner's down and they need a little bit more. You got to be there to give them a little bit more. And, you know, the tables could easily turn, and then you might need a little bit more. Like I said, girls are probably one of the biggest topics that we get asked. And uh, this question is how to pull that one girl you want. Uh, all right. So this is obviously going to be me speaking on my past in a very happy relationship. Wouldn't trade it for the world. I love the girl to death. But speaking on when I was single, the biggest thing is confidence. Confidence, confidence, confidence. And you, and if you aren't confident, you need to fake being confident. Because when you act confident, people are going to treat you like you're confident. And if you start getting treated like you're confident, then you're going to start gaining confidence. And you cannot be scared of rejection, right? You got it. It's a numbers game. You're, there's going to be girls that like, typically if you get dubbed by a girl, it's temporary though. Something's going on. Like if you are attractive, if she does find you attractive, you get dubbed. It's probably temporary. Maybe she's talking to another dude, whatever. But, like, you got to be okay with, like, getting curved or getting dubbed. Like, you can be a little bit more calculated in, in your approach. But, like, just go talk to them. Like, you just got to go and start talking and just look at them, treat them like a person. Especially really hot girls. They normally get put on a pedestal. And, and I call it, like, uh, they got, like, the bad bitch syndrome. And, like, they get put on a pedestal and, like, you know, there's been situations where you're talking to a girl and you're like, who the fuck does she think she is? And you have to check them. Because, like, really hot girls don't get checked. They can act out of line and, like, guys will typically let them walk all over them or do whatever because they're really hot. But treat every girl the same, whether it's a girl that you find, like, oh, my God, like, she's she's sent from heaven. Or just, like, girl that, you know, you don't, you don't find super attractive. Like, just go out there and talk to them. It's that easy. You just have a conversation. And, and it's a good trait to have or a good skill to learn is to be able to sit, sit down and talk to someone. Like, you got to get out of your comfort zone. Um, and then once you get your foot in the door, uh, be yourself. Being yourself in the beginning will allow, like, truly yourself. Like, I was from myself from the jump. It will allow people to feel a lot more comfortable being themselves. Uh, you don't want to be overbearing, like, oh, look at all the shit I got going on. Look at all the fucking issues I got. No, but, like, be yourself as far as, like, how you're acting, the jokes you make, like, the things you're into. Like, don't be scared to show people that. It allows people to be a lot more comfortable. And when someone's comfortable and they can open up, it helps you build that connection. Um, don't be too much. I think a lot of guys, you know, it's like, oh, well, I was really nice. And, uh, you know, she said I was too nice. It wasn't that you were too nice. You treat every girl with respect. You should be a gentleman. But, like, you need to be willing to, like, make jokes, talk shit with them. Like, it needs to be a balance. It can't be like, oh, I'm trying to trying to drop everything for this girl, right? Like, give her the whole fucking world. And a little pro tip, too, that goes along with that is don't always be available. Like, if she says a day, just don't be like, oh, any day works for me, right? You want to appear. It's a little mind game. You want to appear busy. Like, she's like, oh, 
uh, does Friday at this time work? Uh, would you be able to do this time? You know, counter with a different different time. You don't always want to be super free. And chances are your schedule probably doesn't have it that you're super free, but, like, you don't always want to be available. And uh, just shoot your shot. You literally have nothing to lose. You're in the same – this is what I never understood. So when I was in college, I was in a relationship for, like, all of college until, like, my last year when I became single. Um I used to tell all my boys, because I'd go out to the clubs or anything. I never cheated, never did anything like that. I didn't even drink. Uh, and I'd always try to get my boys to go, yo, go go talk to that girl. Go, like, just start dancing with her or whatever. Obviously, the club's not exactly the scene. But even just, like, around the halls, like, yo. They'd be like, yo, that girl's so bad. I'd be like, all right, go talk to her. They'd be like, nah, man, nah. It's like, bro, you literally have everything to gain and nothing to lose. If you walk up to the, that girl that you think is hot and she says no and dubs you, guess what? You in the same exact position you were before. She still don't know who the fuck you are. So, like, it does not matter. Like, even if it's in a situation where you might see the person again, like, chances are she's not going to dub you in, like, a shitty-ass way. Most girls try to, like, avoid it nicely. Or maybe she just says she has a boyfriend to get out of it, whatever. Maybe it's not true, whatever. And you just leave it at that. Like, it's, it's, it's really that simple. Guys get too caught up on being scared to shoot. Like, just shoot your shot, bro. Because, honestly, you do it enough, you're going to start to get comfortable with it. You're going to get confident. You're going to start to figure out, like, what things work, what things don't work. And you'll be fucking, fucking smooth. All right, let's see what else we can find on here. Uh, Well, this is a really good question. Uh, This is getting a little bit deeper. So, who saved you when you were at your lowest? Uh, I guess we'll go into my lowest in a bit uh, after we reset the camera. But... I don't think there's necessarily, like, one person that, like, oh, yeah, this person came in and changed. Uh, there was things that people did. Um, like, when I was homeless uh, and, and going from, like, the sorority closet to um, moving everything out of my, like, apartment back home or whatever, Carice allowed me to stay. He had a studio apartment. He was staying with his girlfriend most of the time. He allowed me to stay in there. And that's right when I started TikTok. So if you guys remember the OG TikTok labs or the OG TikToks in the apartment, that was Carice's apartment. He let me stay there, like, rent-free because I didn't have anywhere else to go. And, like, that allowed me to get my mental right and, and, and so much. And, like, that's what I would credit if I had to pick, like, someone that saved me when I was at my lowest. It was that. Obviously, I give a lot of credit to myself of looking in the mirror and understanding that I was greater than the situation that I was in and that I need to have faith in the fact that I could get myself out of this. Like, there is going to be a brighter day. Like, yes, we are down right now. Things are not going our way right now. But, like, as long as we stay true to ourselves and just grind, we'll fucking get out of it. And so, I guess myself and then and then Carice uh, would, be, would be the biggest things. And kind of going into that lowest of, like... Another question, I got a few of them here, is uh, what was my biggest motivator? Um, My girlfriend motivates me a lot. Like I said earlier, if you know she's the one, like, she's going to motivate you just knowing that she's a part of your life. Like, knowing that, like, five years from now, I need to be able to, I want to be able to provide and be able to do all these things for her. And, like, she don't want to date no bum, right? Like, she she's a high-value woman. She doesn't want no low-value dude, so I got to make sure that I maintain uh, that high valueness. Another thing that motivates me, and this might sound like cliche, but it, it's honestly true. You guys know, like, I'm not always consistent with posting and stuff, and like, we, everyone's got their own issues. I'll never complain about it, uh, cause the old version of me would punch me in my face if I was bitching and moaning about, you know, certain things being in this situation that I'm in, but it's you guys. 
like there will be sometimes you guys see like a, a spurt of content like all of a sudden like content's crazy 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 that's typically because like one of you guys came up to me or i got a dm of someone saying like yo um uh, like yo i use code j on rise like i just want to say thank you bro like i appreciate you like you you know this video really touched me or like you you changed my life like you got me into the gym like you helped me get over this or whatever like that right there is what motivates me because i'll sit back and think and same thing with this podcast i get dms all the time and like it will bother me and then eventually it'll bother me to the point where i gotta drop an episode it's like it's bigger than me, right? Like, if I don't post... A lot of you guys enjoy this this podcast. Like, the information, like, it gives you, you know, free game or different outlooks on life that you guys have never thought of. Or even, like, it just takes you away, right? Like, if for me, it was Roman Atwood growing up. Like, I'd watch a Roman Atwood video, all my problems would go away. For some of you guys, it's the podcast, which is... I can't even put it into words. Like, the shit's fucking amazing. And, like... If I'm not posting, I'm stripping that from you. That's selfish of me because I, I'm lazy and I don't want to fucking post. Like, that shit's sorry. And I recognize that it's sorry. I'm not going to sit here and make bullshit excuses, but I recognize that it's sorry. And so, like, you guys motivate me knowing that, like, there's a lot of you guys that, like, count on me in a sense. Uh, and I obviously have people IRL that count on me, but, like, you guys like the content. Like, I try to drop genuine content that actually has, like, true value. So, like... Yeah, I think you guys, my girlfriend, um, some of the people around me, like I see them like taking off and like that shit's possible. Like I can do more. That uh that helps me a lot. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna transition into uh I have some fitness related questions. Uh kinda kinda valid though. Uh and then uh we'll kinda go into to the back backstory. Uh, someone wants to know, was I nervous my first time injecting testosterone? Yes, I was fucking terrified. And looking back at it, maybe that's something that I changed. I changed my first cycle, uh, and I would have done things differently because I could have done it a lot better. Uh, and I had a coach, too, but he had me pin my quads. Now, for those of you guys don't know, or any of you guys have gotten, like, I don't know, what is the flu shot or whatever you get in your shoulder and your sh- shoulder super sore. So your first time pinning tests, you're going to be sore as shit. I did it in my quad. The day after, because that's when it's the worst. I kid you not, like, at night, the worst pain, arguably, that I've ever felt. I've torn my ACL, I've broken bones. My It was my right quad. Mind you, pinning in the quad is wild, too, because there's lots of nerves and shit that you can hit in your quad. I don't know why he didn't have me go glued or dope. I don't know, regardless. But, like, I was in excruciating pain. I'm laying in bed, and I can't, like, move. Like, if I turn and my adductor moves or, like, flexes, rock. I kid you not, I was limping, like, hobbling around my house. And all I'm thinking of is, did I fuck up and pin, like, into a fucking vein? Is my leg going to turn purple and fall off? And I'm, like, texting my coach, like, yo, what the fuck's going on? Like, is this normal? And he's like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, normal. You'll be fine in a couple of days. He's like, I guess if it doesn't get better, like, you know, you might have to go see a doctor. And I'm like, oh, my God. I fucking, I decide I want to go to the dark side, and I get fucked over. I was like, sick. Like, first time around, it just completely backfires on me. Um, But it was, like, awful. I, like, legit limping. Like, I, I didn't want to move my quad. If I move my quad, it hurts so fucking bad 
so many different things I would do differently. Uh, first time trying these oils, and I ran a full dose. You should never do that. Like that right there is probably the one thing I would change is that first cycle. But it was it was it was scary. Uh, I'd done my research, so I knew of different things, things to expect. Like oh, you could get trend cough, all this stuff. So I did all my, I was on my p's and q's. But it's still like, damn, that shit's got to go on my leg. And I was on FaceTime with my coach. Uh, it's crazy because now that obviously that shit doesn't phase me. But that that shit is uh, is definitely something that can be a big decision, uh, especially for like if anyone watching this is of age, is older, and thinking about doing it. Like it's it's a big decision to make, and make sure that you know um, what to do. Everyone always asks like best beginner cycle. I say less is more. Uh, you don't need anything more than test. Uh, another thing too, for anyone that's ever thinking about doing it, if you can't afford to buy everything at once, and that means your blood work, the actual diet water, your AIs in case something goes wrong, then you shouldn't be hopping on. I'm just, that's just, that's just the fact of the matter. And chances are, if you're going to hop on that, you should be able to afford a coach so that your diet and training is on point. If you can't afford both, you probably shouldn't do it unless you're one of those like people that really love being coach dolo all right we're gonna get a little camera reset here because uh your boy needs a new camera audio gets to keep rolling which is actually clutch um but you guys let me know oh this is definitely different for me it's literally just me talking the whole time okay so keeping it to to the body bodybuilding what is the worst part about bodybuilding um, I, I'm going to change this question and the worst part about bodybuilding is being a influencer, right? Like, yes, I love bodybuilding. That's my passion. But what pays the bills is me being an influencer. Uh, yes, I'm more of a bodybuilder influencer, but social media does not enjoy a fluffy physique. They like to see people that look unrealistic and look shredded to the gills, muscles rock hard. Like that's what they want. Content does way better. When I'm shredded, you guys can go on my Instagram. You guys can go across anything. People love when someone's on prep and they're getting lean. So, like, the worst part is my goal is to go pro. That is that is my dream. That's been my goal. I've dedicated my life to that. And that requires me to get fluffy and go into a true bulk. If you look at a lot of influencers, they don't ever get really fat. They stay pretty lean year-round. There's reason for that because content does so much better. If all of a sudden your abs start fading... You know, your content doesn't do as well. You don't have that, like, eye-catching factor. So that, to me, is something that really sucks. Um, another question that I got was the mental health of bodybuilding. Uh, men, or, like, guys' mental health. Um, it doesn't really bother me too much. I don't get any side effects. I'm not the greatest person to ask. I don't get any immediate side effects. Like, everything I've taken, there's nothing been like, oh, yeah, I can never take that again. Uh like, other people like Zay, Zay reacts really bad to certain things, but, like, me, I'm chilling. So, like, I really haven't had any issues, like, mental health. Uh, my body does get very tired. Like, six weeks out, I was dead. I didn't want to do anything, and that's tough. Uh, it was actually right when me and Chase uh, started dating, and uh, we made it through that, so I know we can make it through anything. But there's not really anything that's, like, for me, like, oh, damn, really bad. Obviously, like, girls, when they get really lean, they can lose their period, all sorts of crazy shit. But for me, like, the mental health is, is is pretty straight. It does get stressful because, like, you also need to make sure your content's on point. And, like, 
my income's not guaranteed, so it's very much on, like, how well I do on social media that does good. So, like, that can get very stressful. That's why it's important for you guys to keep using Code J, man. Otherwise, uh, we're not going to be able to keep chasing these dreams. Um, advice for new lifters to stay consistent. I think the biggest mistake that people make when they get into the gym. Now, if you guys didn't know, I started when I, when I got into the gym, I went 136 days in a row. Uh, but I was an athlete before. Um, but the biggest thing is that people try to do too much too fast and they don't find their love. They just like, yeah, they don't find their love for the gym. They just want to get into the gym to lose weight or whatever. But like everyone that's in there all the time, they love that. They love something, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's bodybuilding, whether it's powerlifting, they fell in love with it. It's an escape for them. They enjoy it. They would do that if there was no whatever. Like I'm going to go to the gym if I wasn't on social media. You know what I'm saying? Like there was no... Um, direct correlation to like you know my my livelihood or whatever so like people that just start you got to figure out what it is that you're gonna love what training style what avenue within fitness that you're gonna fall in love with instead of just going in there and just trying to go super hard like try different things because that's how people stay consistent is because they enjoy it I don't have to tell you to eat every day you consistently eat every day because one you like food and you need to right as far as the gym, like, people enjoy the gym. They need it for their mental health. Um, so, like, you gotta, you just got to find out what you love. I fell in love with bodybuilding and the training of bodybuilding and all that. And so, like, that's why that's why I do it. Um, so that would be my best advice. Is just figure out what it is that you love about fitness. It could be the community aspect. There's so many different avenues. You just got to try shit. Just got to try shit. Okay, we'll answer one more bodybuilding or fitness related question, and then I, I want to get I want to get a little bit a little bit deeper. Um, well, then we'll go we'll go into like uh, some business aspect. Uh, let you guys in on a little uh, what's it like to be an actual influencer. But uh, biggest weak points you see when helping your clients. So if you guys didn't know, I offer online coaching. Uh, I'm currently accepting clients as the time of this podcast, but that could very easily change. Uh, but the biggest thing is just the consistency and people not having the discipline. That's the biggest weak point. It's not necessarily like a body part. Like most of the clients that I coach, they want to lose weight. I have a couple people in the off season, but like they want to, they want to lean out. They need help. And what they lack is structure and accountability. So you give them the structure or some people just lack knowing like what to do or, or how to combat certain things that they might struggle with. If ghrelin, which is hunger, always whooping their ass and, and whatnot. So, that would be the biggest thing that I see among all my clients. Um, it's just the accountability and the discipline. Okay, where there's a question really in here uh, that I want to answer. Oh, here, here we go. This is the business one. So one, we'll start with this. How's it going with Young LA? If you guys didn't know, we're sponsored by Young LA. Uh, am I hitting a knock of numbers? So the past few months with Young LA, I've been down like 100 orders on average. I'm going to be honest, the sales across... Uh, like Rise Young LA have all been a lot lower. I'll take full blame for it. I just got to do better on content, connect with you guys more, uh, get new people in on on like who is Jay Lane and, and like what I have to offer. But yeah, I make around the same that I do, that I did with Anaka. Like when, when my numbers were where they normally were, like 100 more, when like good months, right around like where Anaka was. But like Anaka would have low months here and there. So yeah, it, it's it's consistent. Uh, we definitely want to get that up and build and build that up uh, as well. 
Uh, but like I said, that's one of the stressful things that comes with being an influencer is like, if my sales are down, I'm beating myself up every day on like, okay, why no one's using my code anymore? Like we're down four X what we used to be. What do I have to do? Right. And then you start analyzing and super analyzing and it gets stressful. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Right. You guys put me in a position to where I'm still even not at my best being able to, to do this full time. And I wouldn't trade that for the world, but there is stresses that come with it, especially when you're trying to think long term and you're trying to like build these things out. Like it's it's a lot to juggle. Uh, and that's why you guys see me post inconsistently. It's a lot. And I I'm not an organized person. And uh I think that's kinda like the downfall. Cause realistically, I think this right here is my best content. It provides the most value. You guys get to see me and like I get the best feedback from the podcast. It's just me on the mic, typically with other people, just being myself. So, like, I don't know. It's tough. But, yeah, we do around the same with Anaka. Uh, Raw Gear, when I was originally with Raw Gear, we didn't do very well for them. Uh, I think my best month, I made, like, $700, so $400 in commission. I had, like, $300 salary. Uh, but my best month with Young LA beats my best month with Anaka. And then Alpha Lee just wasn't the move. It just it just didn't resonate very well. I did I did have the biggest salary with uh with Alpha Lee though. And then tying into the business aspect is what are my goals for twenty twenty three? So I talked about this on a previous podcast, but I will go over them again. I really want to get coaching up. I'd love to get my coaching to the point where all my social media money doesn't go towards like my cost of living. Uh, and then obviously, I just told you guys that the sales down. I want to get those back up. It's something that I really want to do. And I really want to, you guys can't see it, but on this whiteboard right here, it says YouTube or bust. YouTube has been the one platform that has whooped my fucking ass. I am just not good at it. I have not figured it out. I'm not consistent with anything. I've been able to grow my following on IG, even though your boy shadow banned right now. I've been able to grow my TikTok, but like YouTube, I just struggle with. I think the main issue is me and my consistency, but really want to get that popping and get more people. Because I honestly, I think I am a, this, this, you guys can take this however you want. I think I'm a better influencer than a handful of influencers that are more successful as far as being an influencer. Because uh, I know how they are IRL. I know that, like, the content that I put out is genuine, pure, and my intention is literally just to inspire people. I don't try to post dumb shit that's just going to go viral. Like, I try to give someone a good laugh, give someone some free game, anything like that. And, like, I don't know. I just know that, like, I can be on that level, and I should be on that level. I'm just not there yet. Uh, and some things take time, you know? There's no, there's no, like, set end date of, like, oh, you need to be, you know, X amount of subs by this point, but... Yeah, that's a big goal for mine, of mine. Another thing is I'd like to add another source of income that's not related to fitness. I was thinking Toro, which still might be a possibility. I just need uh, interest rates to to knock down. Another thing, when I say social media, it I mean just like my personal social media. Because another thing that I was thinking about doing is taking over like businesses like Instagrams and TikToks. And uh, scaling their, their following online. For example, one of my boys does, like, detailing. He's the one that wrapped my car. Um, and, like, in a, in a sense, I would I would run his TikTok. I would run his Instagram uh, to a sense. 
I don't want to be on it, like, answering DMs and all that shit. But, like, I'd create content, and then I'd just take a percentage of anyone that's referred based on the content. It's just figuring out all the logistics of it. Like, okay, how do I accurately track what intakes you got from, oh, they saw a TikTok video, whatever. Because uh, that could possibly be one. Uh, because... I have a very much a content mindset. I'm very good at coming up with content for other people, and I think it's better that I am at coming up with content for myself. Uh, like, I just sit there, and I could just rattle off, like, ideas. And be like, oh, no, 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 let's do it like this. Like, this goes super viral. And, and it's proven to work. I've helped Nabil blow up uh, when he was posting all his TikToks. Um, I've helped Rise. Like, a lot of Rise's most viral videos are, are your boy right here. Uh, I don't have those. Actually, I do have some some viral videos. But yeah, that's definitely a big one. Obviously, 2023, we want to go pro. We're 18 weeks out and 21 weeks out from our, our national show. So going pro, having that IFBB pro card uh, to our name, something that we've been chasing uh, for a very long time. So that's a huge goal of mine. Um, I'm trying to think. Be more consistent with content. You know, we just got to be. Like, there's no, there's really no excuse. And being more efficient day-to-day and grinding uh, is is for sure. Like, I, I catch myself wasting time. I mean, I'm sure you guys listen. Like, sometimes I catch myself scrolling, and I'm like, bro, there goes a fucking hour. And, like, I didn't find any TikToks that I could make you know, stitch of or whatever. Like, literally, I literally gained nothing. Maybe a couple business TikToks, but I literally just aimlessly scrolling and just wasted an hour of my time that I could have fucking been getting fucking after it. Or even filmed a fucking pod. Just being more efficient all across the board. Uh, and that might take adding adding someone to my team, you know, whether it's a manager or, or whatever. Uh, but I definitely think a change is needed. Uh I'm not too sure what that change is going to be yet, but a change is is definitely needed. Okay, I guess that leaves us with with the life story. Actually, there's there's one there's one other question before we get into the life story. Um, I got one question that says, "Why is oh oh why is life worth living for?" And then there was another question to follow that. That says, what would you do if you have no idea what to do in this life? So there's two very good questions. Why is life worth living for? Because life is the most valuable thing on this planet. It's the one thing that money can't buy. Money cannot, cannot buy you your life back or your time back on this earth. You can spend money to give yourself more time, but at the end of the day, you have 24 hours in a day. And no one knows how many days they have in their life. So a life is the most valuable thing because it is you can't replace Yes, you could you could have, you know, someone could have another, like, person brought into this world, like, give birth, but, like, that's not the same person that, that left us. There will never be that same person again. So, like, it is the most valuable thing, and once you wrap your mind around that, that, like, there's not another you, your life is unique to you, and your time is the most valuable thing in the world because you cannot, you can have all the money in the world, but if you, you spend all your time chasing all this money in the world, you're going to look back wishing that you spent that time with your family and friends like that because you can't get that back, right? You know, if 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 you have a kid and, and you're always working, you didn't get to see your kid grow up in sports or whatever, and all of a sudden now your kid's 18, you can't go back. You could be a billionaire. You can't go back in time and, and watch him score his first touchdown in football. You can't go back in time. Like, you can't experience your times in high school again playing high school football or high school sports, that camar- camaraderie in the locker room. Time is literally the most valuable thing on this earth. 
And that is why life is worth living for. Because you have something that you can't put a price tag on. And now to tie into the other question of like, what would I do if I didn't know what to do in life? I mean, I would just do what I had to do to survive until I figured out. That's kind of what was going on. I was just doing what I what I could until I uh, I, I figured out that fitness fitness is where I belong. All right, we're gonna reset the camera real quick, and I guess we're gonna dive into it. Um, I apologize right now if I say anything, and there's not really it's not explained very well. I have an old podcast explaining the life story, uh, but it goes back. Uh, I was raised by my mom for the most part. Uh, single mom. It was me, my mom, my sister growing up. We were in a two-bedroom apartment. My sister was in the basement. Uh, and I'd go to my grandparents on the weekend. My grandfather is the one. is my dad's dad and mom. My grandfather is the one that's on my forearm. So we'd go over there every every weekend. And I, I, I'd see my dad on like a, a weekend basis. Um, and growing up, uh, you know, as I got a little bit older... Uh, I would just be, like, at the weekend, spend it with, like, my dad, and, like, now looking back at it, I'd be put into, like, weird situations. Uh, my dad uh, dealt with drug issues his whole life, and so um, I just remember one time, I don't I don't remember how old I was, it's not very old, but I remember just being left at this house with some random dude, and he had to go, like, he was gone for, like, an hour, and I remember playing, like, Bones. And I'm, like, young as shit. I'm probably, like, 10 to 13. And, like, I think my recollection is I was in a fucking trap house. And I don't know if he owed someone money and had to go do something or whatever. But, like, I'd, I'd just be in, I was just in a weird-ass, like, situation. And um, fast forward, I think it was a couple years later. Uh, this is, like, post-Christmas or whatever. I remember... And my grandparents is where I would go. And so it was my my grandfather. Uh, I think he had separated. Him and my grandma weren't living together. But, like, my dad stayed there. Uh, my not-technical stepmom, my brother and sister's mom, stayed there. And I remember me and my brother one night uh, were up way later than we're supposed to be. We are playing Xbox. I think it was Fable or Fable 3. I don't really know. You guys, you guys can kind of get, like, a date based on that. But I remember... It's late. We're playing. We we uh we shared the same room, or whatever. And um, I remember, uh, my I'm just gonna refer to her as my stepmom. My stepmom came in, and like we like freaked out. Like oh shit, we're gonna get in trouble. Like we're awake. We're not supposed to be awake right now. And uh, she's like, uh, if uh, uh, if your dad comes, how'd she say? She said something like, um, if your dad comes and asks, like, uh. For, like, anything, like, don't give it to him. And then she was like, I'm going to put this bat. She's like, put this basket in front of the door so that you hear him come in. Because he was out. I don't know where he was. But I was just playing. My brother had gone to sleep. And uh, my dad ends up coming in. And once again, you hear the noise of someone coming in. So I freak out. I, I turn the Xbox off and act like I'm sleeping. And uh, this is at the time that the PSP was super popular. And so, like I said, this is post-Christmas. So I had a PSP. Uh, but I also had like $140, $140 at like that age, you're literally, you could buy anything in the planet. Like you're, you're rich as shit. And, um, I had it under the bed, but at the end of the bed, and I remember my dad coming in and asking me like, Hey, um, my buddy, uh, 
said he could like download all these games on your uh, your like PSP. Like, where's your PSP? And I knew where it was, but I I had gotten warned earlier not to give him anything. So I was like, oh, I don't know. And I remember it's obviously like nighttime. I act like turned off the Xbox or whatever, so there wasn't a lot of light in the room. But I remember him like search scourging like the room. Like even though he's asking me where my PSP, he's still like looking for it. And I remember. Uh, realizing that I had the cash, cash is king at the end of the day, at the end of the bed, under the mattress. And I remember seeing him, like, lift it up. I remember, I literally can picture it perfectly, like, reach down and grab it, and then he just left. Like, he got what he wanted. And I remember getting up and checking it and seeing that it was gone. And I remember going upstairs to my grandfather and, like, saying, like, what happened or whatever. And he had, he had stolen things from my brother before. Like, my brother get a bike for Christmas. And then all of a sudden it would disappear. Um, my dad sold it to get get whatever. Um, and so, like, that was kind of the dynamic uh, on that side growing up over there. My mom was a waitress uh, her whole life. So we, we I didn't grow up wealthy at all. Um, and, it, and it sucked because, like, I wasn't my stepmom's, like, kid. So, like, and my dad didn't have, like, shit going for him. So, like, when Christmas would come around... And we would do, like, the Christmas, I'd see, like, my brother get an electric dirt bike and all this stuff. And then I'd get some dinky little, like, nothing. The only time I got good presents is when my grandparents would get us all something. Um, And so, like, that really sucked growing up and watching that happen. Uh, So, like, after that, I didn't go to my, I didn't see my dad for a while. Uh, I just told my mom she was furious. Uh, That $140 was given to me by my other grandma. Uh, She ended up giving it to me again, which I thought was, like, oh, my God. Like, she just gave me another $140 or whatever it was. But, like, obviously, as an adult, that's not that much. Uh, I remember my grandfather coming over uh, and talking to my mom about the situation and all that. And I hadn't gone back to my dad's until probably, like, high school and seeing my dad. And so, come, like, fifth grade, my mom meets this dude. He ended up being my stepdad. And we go from living in, like, a one-bedroom or the two-bedroom apartment to... I call it, I, I, I got privileged, right? We lived in a good-sized house, probably like 2,800 square feet, like a big-ass yard, but he built homes for a living. And from fifth grade until 10th grade, I pretty much got whatever I wanted. And so I went from being broke to, like, being privileged. We'd have steak, like, at least, like, once a week. We'd go out to eat. I got to go on my first ever vacation. We went on a cruise. Like, I got to experience things that I never got to experience. And we lived in, like, a... A nicer area, a uh, different town. It was Webster for anyone who's who's a fan from from New York. Um, and then I remember in tenth grade, um, I remember getting a call from my mom. And mind you, I was young at the time, so I didn't I didn't quite understand. I've gotten some information now that I'm older, but that I needed to come down. She was vacationing at our condo. Like I said, privilege. Like we had a condo in Florida. Uh, she was. Uh, like down there and like she'd gotten really sick and like my stepdad wasn't helping her out and she needed me to come down and help her uh, and I was like okay like I'll come down I didn't really understand and then I remember my sister called me uh, like later that night I was out fishing I, I remember the exact spot I was at this pond it was by our house um, I was fishing and I remember getting that call from my mom and I was like alright like I'll go to Florida I was like I gotta fly by myself like that's kind of nervous didn't really know much of like anything and then I remember getting a call from my sister that night saying that that like mom and my stepdad were gonna get a divorce and I remember like bawling my eyes out in my bed cause I like I didn't know what the fuck was gonna happen like 
my stepdad was more of a dad than my actual dad to me. Like we would like, like literally, like he treated me as his own son. Obviously, he clearly didn't treat my mom how things should have been treated. Um, there's two sides of the story, though. I don't know those. So I remember going down to Florida, and my mom sold like her engagement ring because uh, we needed money, and like it was great. Like I saw the heat when the finals. When I was down there, we got to like go all over. We were staying in like uh, the condo. Uh, I got to, like, she would have me carry the cash, so I'm carrying, like, thousands of dollars. I felt dope. We, like, eat out. Like, I thought it was all great, and I got my mom better to the point where we could come back. But when we came back, it was us staying in a hotel, and I was in a hotel for about a week. And then after that, my mom needed a place to live, obviously, in the process of divorce. Uh, She wasn't working at the time. Um, We ended up getting a place that was, like, 30 minutes away from, like, my high school, and I'm going into... uh, my junior year. So like I'm already established. I play football for here. I've built a really good relationship with the coach. Uh, shout out coach Watt. And so I was like 30 minutes away from my house. Like I never, and from here on, I like jumped places like my whole life. So we stayed like 30 minutes away for probably like a whole year. Um, and then it was crazy. Cause like my, my coach would drive me from practice like practice would get over and he would drive me back home and drop me off and he treated he treated me like his son too i spent thanksgiving with him uh which was like my mom didn't really do anything for like thanksgiving and i'd always go on on my dad's side and so we got to uh i got to spend thanksgiving with him he made me feel like like his son he still calls me like his son like to this day uh but, like, we were living about 30 minutes away. And then from there, uh, through, like, divorce settlement, my mom got a place right next to my high school so I could finish out school in the same school and I didn't have to change schools. Because um, I originally changed schools, like, towns entirely in, like, fifth grade. So she didn't want to do that to me, especially being that deep in high school when you have lots of things established, friend groups and all that. And so I, I go and we're in this place, I think, for, like, a year. And this is probably the only time me and my mom have ever argued and it would get bad uh my mom's mental health was not good she ended up going down to um like north carolina for a little bit um and i was like home alone for like a week and i remember um i i used money i don't know if i made this money on madden or from selling a pair of shoes but i remember like ordering food every day like delivery and this is back when you'd call a place and order for delivery not like nowadays i can't remember last time i do that it's only doordash now and so this is my senior year um and like or was it my junior year no it was my senior year by then of high school and so like I'm like, no, it was my junior year because I tore my ACL. Uh, it was like post-ACL surgery. I had gotten to the point where, like, I could walk and stuff, but, like, wasn't able to, like, do anything. And, and she she was gone. I didn't know really what was going on. She went on some trip with one of her friends down there, and she was gone for, like, a week. And I remember being in class. And I wasn't a good student. I wasn't a dickhead. I was when I was younger, but I, I like, matured by my senior year because uh, I was forced to be the man in the house. Uh, when my mom got the divorce, but like, I remember getting called to the office and I'm like, bro, what the fuck now? And it was a CPS agent talking to me and I was like, huh? And so I got pulled out of class to sit down and talk with the CPS. And I believe it was my sister that ended up calling it. Cause like I was, I mean, there was like ramen noodles in the house, but there really wasn't anything in the house. My mom had got up and left. Um, and 
And I was just like, yeah, I, I, I didn't care. I played PlayStation all day. Like, went to school. I could walk to school. Like, I was chilling. Like, I didn't mind. I didn't realize the, the severity of it. Um, and so I had to deal with that. Um, and I remember getting in fights with my mom over, uh, I don't even remember what they were over, but it was bad. Like, my sister and my mom, when I grew up, would always fight. They'd be butting heads. But, like, I never fought with my mom, ever. And I remember arguments getting heated. I remember, like... It just, I was just in such a, a bad mental space with the environment that I was around. She'd have random people in the house. Just like, I just knew, like, things are just off. And I was just, like, miserable. And, like, I would be playing the game, and I'd lose it on the game and, like, snap. I remember I broke my closet door. I put holes in it. Uh, I remember we got in one argument one time. I don't know what it was over, but it's, like, I was upstairs. She was downstairs. I'm screaming. She's screaming at me, and I remember slamming my door so hard that it broke the fucking framing. You know, like, the trim on the door, it popped it off. It popped, like, the shit off, like, the nails were out, and I had to, like, hammer it back in. Um, and I remember that day, I texted Carice, because I've been friends with Carice since literally high school. And I was like, yo, like, can I come spend the night at your place? This is, like, during the week, too, for a couple couple days. And I remember him saying, like, yo, I got to ask my mom. Or my mom's got to talk to your mom. And I'm like, bruh. Because, like, I wasn't old enough and mature enough to understand that I could, like, talk to people about these things. So, like, all the issues that I dealt with were, were just just right here. But fast forward, my mom's mental health gets better. We get another place that I'm at. And then uh, even more fast forward, I go off to a community college uh, because I wanted to run track. And so while I'm at this community college, um, it does not get me ready for real college at all. It's basically a continuation of high school. My senior year, I fell in love with track. I've had two knee surgeries, so I tore my ACL junior year. Another surgery, again, my senior year uh, to fix some things that didn't quite get fixed. And so I ended up falling in love in track my, my senior year, and I wanted to run track in college. So I went to community college. I didn't have the grades or anything. I didn't take the SAT, ACT, none of that. And so you know, my only option was to go to community college. So I went to community college. that was about 45 minutes away, and I was going to stay on campus. And so I got to be... I got full financial aid, right? Like, I my mom did not have a lot of money. And the final place that we were at until, like, I was, like, homeless was a one-bedroom apartment, which I'll go into a little bit more. Um, so, like, I got full financial aid. It was great. Uh, I didn't have to worry about that. I got to live by myself. I remember my aunt. It was kind of near her. My aunt is pretty successful. Um, and she came, and she, we went to, like, BJ's, which is like a Costco uh, for anyone who doesn't know, like a Sam's Club, it's like a wholesale place, and I got stocked up with goodies for the whole fucking semester. It was fucking a great, and probably the best semester of my life. I had like a a three point one GPA, which was way better than like I had ever done. And then um, come my come like the summer. So what would go down to explain kind of the housing situation is I had a I had a a college apartment. It's like fake on campus, and so it was, just, it was basically a studio, not very big at all, probably the size of my room now, but it had like kitchen, bathroom, like the whole nine, just studio or whatever, um, and so when I'd go back home for the summer, uh, it was a one-bedroom apartment that my mom had, and it was like 700 square feet maybe, and so I had a girlfriend at the time, and so she would move all her things for the most part out of the room and she'd set up her room in the living room like literally right when you walk in and I would stay in the in the bedroom for 
all of summer so that I could have like my privacy like with my girlfriend or whatever and then or my ex-girlfriend I should say uh and then like if I went there during w- winter break I'd just stay on the couch like like I said I, I do not come from anything uh I think my mom made like maybe 14 to 20k a year like nothing crazy uh which is amazing that she was able to do the things uh that she did and I was able to do the things that I did um but it ties into one of my greatest lessons is that like like I said, before the divorce, broke, then went to privilege, and they didn't realize I was privileged until I went back to being broke. But going back to school, that's how it would be. You know, community college is great. I got my associate's degree in criminal justice, uh, but I did an internship my spring semester of my sophomore year, and I realized that, like, I don't know if I really want to be a cop. Like, I'm, I'm looking at this. I see how they kiss ass to, like, the sergeant and lieutenant, and I'm not the big fan of that. That's not what I'm into. Um, but, like, I was really set on making hundred grand a year. I wanted to figure out what I can do to make $100,000. Like, that to me was, like, super fucking rich. Didn't grow, I, didn't, I didn't grow up with money, so, like, that was a shit ton of money, which it is. I'm not downplaying it. And I realized that I could do that if I was a state trooper. So I was really young. I went to college at 17. And so when I, when I was coming that spring semester and I had to figure out I can't go into the academy because I'm going to graduate at 18 or I was going to graduate at 19 and you got to be 21 to go into the academy. So like I'd have to buy time for like two years. I was like, I didn't know what what I'm going to do, pick my ass. And so one of my buddies went to UB, uh, University of Buffalo. It's a lot bigger school. It's a D1 school. Um, And there was a fishing team there and I grew up fishing my whole life. The tattoo on my my forearm is my grandfather and myself fishing. and I was like, I'll transfer there, but they didn't have criminal justice. And I was like, I don't know what fucking degree to get. And I remember taking one, <laughs> this is so fucking stupid. I took one intro to psych class and I fell in love with it. Fell in love with it. I didn't fall in love with it. I just enjoyed it. I hated school. That was the only class that I was like, oh shit, this is interesting. That's why we do that. That's why we think like that. Damn, that's crazy. Like classical conditioning, like all this shit, or classic conditioning. I was like, Bro, this is interesting. So I decided I'm going to go get a bachelor's degree in psychology. Terrible decision. So the main driver for me going to UB was I could be on the fishing team. I could like fish and like fish tournaments, bass fishing. And so I transferred to UB and I got punched in the face my junior year. Community college did not get me ready for it. It was a big step up. Big ass lecture halls. Like classes a lot more difficult. I always struggled as a student. I didn't learn that way. I had to take bullshit classes. And that year I got into Twitch streaming. You guys can still look at my Twitch. And there's still some clips up there. It was 2K19. And I literally would play video games all day. And I got really good at, at 2K19. Like I was toxic on there. Like, But I was like I want to be a streamer. Like I always knew that I was meant to do something like YouTube related. Like gaming or something. Like I could be a YouTuber. I was like streaming. I'd be a Twitch streamer. I got up to like 17 subs. But it was so bad to the point like I'd be skipping class. I'd stream all day. Come the weekend or if it was a day I didn't have class. I'd stream for like 12 hours. Like, I'd be streaming, like, all right, I'm going to take a quick little break. I'd go make a sandwich, come back, eat the sandwich on live, and, and keep, or on Twitch, and then keep playing. Like, it was very bad for my mental. And I was doing long distance uh, with my ex at the time. Um, she was very locked in on what she wanted to do, and I still didn't really know. I was like, I don't really know what I'm going to do in my life. Uh, and she was dead set she wanted to be a doctor. So it was very two contrasting uh, like lives, I guess. And, um, so junior year was bad. 
it was so bad that I lost for my first semester. I lost, I believe I lost all my, no, I lost my state aid. So my state financial aid, which is like a good chunk of money I lost, but I still had my federal because you needed two semesters, not in good academic standings. So the second semester I had to like get my shit together and me and Crease had a battle like skipping classes. I was trying very hard, but I didn't get my GPA quite high enough. I fell like just barely short. You need like a 2.0 between the two semesters. I had like a 1.92 or something like just short. And so I lost all my aid, but I was like, all I got to do is take one class, get like a B plus or higher and I'll be good. So the summer between junior year and my senior year, I took a summer class and I was a lifeguard at the time and I'm taking the summer class and I missed a midterm. It was on a Friday and I thought it was going to be on a Saturday, an online class. And now looking back, I was an idiot and just said that I missed it. I could have came up with some bullshit excuse and maybe got out of it because this was literally me riding on having the funding to go to school. And so... With me missing that, I would have had to get 100 on every other assignment. And there's still half the course left. 100 on every single assignment in order to pass. And that passing wouldn't get my GPA high enough. So what ended up happening is I was very much like, fuck this. Like, I didn't take the classes serious. Our last assignment, I remember bullshitting because I was on vacation. And so that dropped my GPA even more because it was like a... I might have got an F in it or a D. I don't know. I got a terrible grade and it dropped my GPA even more. And so that summer, I literally did not know what the fuck I was going to do. I remember calling my aunt and my uncle trying to figure out like what the fuck's the best route. Like I got a year left to get this degree, but like I can't afford it. Like what the fuck am I going to do? And my, when I talked to my uncle, he was like, you know, you're just going to have to do what you, you got to do. Like whether it's eating ramen every day, like whatever. And I really wanted to be involved with the fishing team. That brought me a lot of joy and happiness of being able to travel and, like, fish with the guys. Like, it brought me one of the only things that brought me true joy. And so I had to be at school in order to be involved. I didn't have a boat. And how the fishing team worked is you gain points by doing events for the club. Whoever has the most points gets to go on tournaments. Unless you have a boat, you're automatically qualified. And so... I needed to be close. Where I went to school at UB and where I grew up, Rochester is about an hour apart. And so it wouldn't be practical for me to be an hour away to be able to attend all these events. And so I was like, I need to find a job out in Buffalo and I could go to school part time, take another class, boost my GPA up, and then I'll get back I'll get back my aid. It'll be perfect. Uh, but I need a place to live. So I remember shopping for rooms. Like I'm looking around, trying to find a place to stay. And, like, renting a room was going to be, like, $400. It would be a year lease. $400 a month was a lot for me. I wasn't making a lot of money. Um, and so I'm looking around like, fuck. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. And so one of my friends reaches out. Shout out T. Uh, she says that they have, like, a room in her house. She lives with four other sorority girls. And the room was probably 10 feet by 6 feet. If that, it was like an old pantry basically. And, uh, I remember going look at it. It was all filthy. And I was like, and she said $200 a month. And I was like, 
bet. Like I'm taking that $200 a month. There's no month to month. I got a job at Walgreens as a shift lead, which is a underpaid manager because I had to open the store and all that. And so that fall, my senior year fall of college or my fourth year fall of college, uh, I was taking a fall class and working full time. So I was working full time at, at, at Walgreens and, uh, that October is when me and my ex broke up, and that's when I started working out. So I was working out while I was still at Walgreens. That's when I fell in love with the gym, and that's where like that's where all this transpired. But I did really good in that class while working full time, but it wasn't enough. So that winter, while still being in the sorority house, I had to take another class, and that finally got me to where I needed to be. But the worst part is is that I'd have to open up the store. Like I said, it was a fake manager. And so I had to deal with all the toxicity of being in a fucking sorority house. It was awful. It was terrible for my mental. They were loud. They were dirty. Like, there'd be arguments over, like, the parking space. They'd be like, you have no say because, like, you know, you're not really, like, here. You're not really resting. I was like, bro, you guys have dishes that have been piled up for three months and it smells like rat's ass. I was like, you guys are just dirty. I bet you your fucking pussy stinks. That's literally what I, I'd fucking I'd be like, bro, you guys are nasty as shit. And like, I'd have to open up the store on on Saturday and like, or it's like Saturday morning. That means I got to be there. I got to wake up at like five, five ten. I think is what I'd set my alarm for because I had to be at the store at five thirty, till they'd open it up. And I remember like, I've always been someone that's up late. And if I wasn't asleep, and I mean slumped by like ten o'clock, I'd start to hear them like they're they're going from party to party and come back in and they're loud as fuck and my door is literally like right where the kitchen and the living room is and like you could hear everything and I remember I used to like get terrible ass sleep and then have to go work the next day and like it was ass and it got to the point because this is when I started my fitness journey uh, and I started I prepped for my first two shows I had to fucking like prep out of fucking nothing like I literally would go to Carissa's apartment Prep my food because I couldn't use the sink and stove at my place because it was so fucking dirty. And then bring my food back and put it in a mini fridge in my room. And so that winter, though, we got what we needed to do. We got enough aid back, at least so I thought. I just paid like $1,800 a few months ago because I guess I didn't have enough aid. So for that spring semester, this is this is the semester that COVID started. So this is before COVID hit. You know, I'm, I'm training really hard. I'm still... Uh, Still working at Walgreens just part-time, and then I bounced on the weekends. I was bouncing at, like, 160 pounds. So this spring, like, classes are going or whatever, getting ready for my show. Classes get canceled. This COVID's just going on. I'm like, I don't know anything about this. Um, and um, it ended up getting, like, bad to the point where, like, if you weren't an essential worker, you didn't work. And my mom was a waitress, so she got cut off. And so um, my shows ended up get canceled, whatever, but my mom... Uh, throughout all this, like, decided uh, that she was going to go visit her friend uh, in North Carolina. This is the same person that she visited when she left me alone earlier in the story when I was talking about when CPS came, going to see the same friend that she hasn't seen, seen in years. Um, and so, long story short, my mom is down there, and her mental health, like, hits the fan. And I remember being up here in New York and, and trying to talk to her on the phone and hearing the things she says, they don't make any sense. She's talking about her phone's wrong. The music just doesn't sound the same. She's been driving in circles for three hours. She's just trying to get to the laundromat. Just crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. And uh, it got to the point where she threw her phone out the window because she thought it was broken. 
And mind you, she's in, I think it was North Carolina, and me and my sister are in New York. And uh, with very little information of, like, some location she's been, and she had a phone that wasn't activated that would work on Wi-Fi so she could Snapchat. Me and my sister uh, sent it to North Carolina with this plan of trying to find our mom, who has has lost it, like, mentally, and going down. And so... We fly down there, wake up at like 5 in the morning, we fly down there, and I'll try to shorten the story up as much as I can, um, and uh, try to find my mom. We spend the whole day trying to find my mom, and it gets, and we're like checking her her uh, debit card thing so we can see where she made a transaction, then we drive there, nothing. And uh, it's like 11 o'clock, we see a transaction for like an ATM deposit, we go we get there probably like 20 minutes late of when we saw the transaction. Ask the guy if he's seen, you know, this basically describing uh, me and our mom. He says he hasn't seen nothing. And you guys can go on my Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is J-A-Y-S-E-E-O-N. And I tweeted pictures of my mom saying, like, if anyone has seen her, like, please help us find her. Because we, uh, we, we didn't know what to do. Like, I've never done anything like that. I've never. This is before I was really popping i didn't do tiktok or anything like i didn't put shit out there so like to put out like my mom is missing and i like need help was beyond me it got like ten thousand, twelve thousand like retweets it, it was it was crazy um none of those leads ended up leading to it but later that night uh she had called my sister on snapchat and i answered found her location her car was like destroyed uh she had looked very sick she had lost like 20 pounds uh and it was just very hard like i'm looking at her and hearing her talking i'm like this this isn't my mom um then we brought her back to the hotel we had called the cops because we had put out a missing person report and uh we had her like like checked because we wanted to drive her back we we're gonna take the rental car and her car and drive back to new york from north carolina um and when the ambulance came and like assessed her they deemed that she was perfectly fine. Meanwhile, me and my sister are like, this is not this is not our mom, like, at all. You can tell that she's, like, delusional and, like, talking crazy, but, like, she still has rights. And we could have filed for, like, a uh, custody over her or something, but it would have taken, like, months. And so we literally, I, I literally can, like, f still have that feeling, that ball in my throat. I remember calling one of my buddies, Trey, and explaining this. I was, I was, ex he was the only one in the loop of the situation, uh, and explaining, like, there's literally nothing that we can do. I literally have to leave my mom here, and it's and I know she's not well, and, and go back home and just and just hope things, like, work out. There's literally, like, nothing that we can do. And, like, I have to hope that she gets bad enough to where she does something crazy. Like, well, I have to wait for her to, like, kill someone or for her to end up dead before, like, it was, it was, it was very hard. Um, I, I, I literally can picture it exactly, like, the officer saying that, like, yeah, there's, like, nothing that we can do. I'm like, what the fuck? So we had no choice. She really wanted to stay there. So we did everything in our power. We took her to Target, get some stuff, uh, booked her in this hotel that she insisted staying on. And then over the next couple months, things would get very toxic. Um, at first, after this, my sister was like, I can't do this anymore. And I was the only one helping her. And I spent thousands of dollars that I need to save up to, uh, you know, be able to have my own place like I didn't have a job but I had the seven it was like $725 coming in from unemployment with COVID and so 
I was spending all this money on it. I'd put her in hotels because, like, that's my mom. I didn't want to see her, like, on the street. Or I'd send her money, Western Union. And, like, there'd be times where I'd think she's getting better and then she'd get worse. And uh, it got to the point where it'd be very toxic. Like, you would see, like, my demeanor change when she called me. And, like, I'd get cursed out on the phone. Like, I one, one example, like, I ordered an Uber. I'm ordering an Uber from another state, and I'm the one communicating and then trying to communicate again with my mom or, like, where this Uber's going to be. And um, it really, like, getting yelled at while I'm, like, going above and beyond and spending thousands of dollars to try to, like, do what I can while she's down there. And um, it got to the point uh, to where, like, I remember it was just bad. Like, she had went into Sprint. Our phone stopped working. and She had went and got it fixed. But I remember being on hold with my mom or being on speakerphone. And she's communicating to, like, the Sprint people spazzing out and just very much in the wrong, demanding all these things with, like, no money or anything, like, cursing these people out. And, uh... I'm feeling, I feel like terrible. I'm like witnessing. This wasn't the first time I'd noticed this would happen like a lot. Um, she's like cursing out like the sprint workers trying to get her phone back on or whatever. And uh, she ended up, I think, calling and getting it figured out and our phones got working. But um, she had this big plan that uh, I was going to move all of our stuff out of our apartment, which was technically my only home. Um, and by this time, Chris had allowed me, I kind of skipped over this, Chris had allowed me to move out of the sorority closet and stay in his his studio well, all this stuff was going on with my mom because it, it helped my mental having somewhere, like, solid, like, just myself. And so she had this big plan to move all her stuff. So me, Trey, and Carice go, we pack up my old apartment because she wasn't going to pay rent anymore and move literally my whole house into a storage unit all my whole life, my whole livelihood in a storage unit, just just the two, just the three of us. And uh, I ended up having to pay for that storage unit. She said that she was going to pay and it was going to be my, my my name. I ended up having to pay for it. And I didn't have it like that. And I'd already spent all this money. And it started to get very toxic for my mental health. And and what I the word the saying that I use is like I can't drown trying to save someone else, right? It's just like the airplane. When the airplane's going down, you put your mask on and then you put the other person's mask on cuz it was like I literally my mental health was like going to shit. Because, like, I would do all this, and then I'd get shit on. And, like, no matter what I did, it was never enough. I mean, it was like, you can bring the person to the water. But, like, I can't help someone that doesn't want to help themselves. And so, around mm, July of that, of 2019, um, it might have been a little bit later. It might have been, like, August. Uh I had stopped talking to my mom. There was other things that happened. She had got pressed with charges, a lot of different things, leaving out lots of details. Um, it's just not something that I really want to go into, but I had stopped talking to my mom. Uh, I just couldn't do it anymore. Uh, it just, I had done everything I could, and it was starting to hinder me. And it's a very tough decision. It's a decision I still live with this, to this day. And um, so I decided to stop talking with my mom. Um, this is around the time that, like, my TikTok started popping off. We got sponsored by Rise. Um, I got the opportunity to, to move down here. And uh, we'll touch more on my mom in a second. But when I moved down here, I got the opportunity to live rent-free in this whole house. I was still paying rent up here in New York. But I got the opportunity to pack up my car with no fallback. There's no parents to fall back on, right? I had stopped talking to my dad, like, my senior year of high school. I just 
you know, in a sense, lost my mom. That was that was the mental thing is that my mom that I once knew is gone and I'm never going to see like that again. That's gone. I, I've made that. I've dealt with that and um, internalized that, that like after that, like, you know, the mom that I knew and I grew up with, that's gone. Whoever that is, that, that's not that's not my mom anymore. And uh, I was perfectly fine. Like, I'm very much a cold-hearted person when I'm cold-hearted. Very loving and caring when I when I care about you. But, like, when it's gone, and it's gone. So I was very solid on, on having that, like, cut off. So when I moved to Texas, it was literally just me betting on myself and my dreams that, like, I'm going to make this happen. Uh, that's why I'm so thankful for you guys because you guys obviously make this possible. But obviously, Swahas and all that. And then this past January, I called my mom for the first time and talked to her on the phone for the first time in like two years. Uh, and uh, it was a tough conversation uh, because she's now back in New York doing better. Not anywhere to like what she was, but she felt feels like a failure and stuff like that. And I've tried to mend the relationship as best I could. Um tell her not to be sorry or anything like that because obviously that's my mom uh but it was just like hard because she felt like she didn't have anything to talk about and like most of the time on the phone like I could just hear her like crying and stuff like it was it was tough uh so like you get sometimes you ask about like parents like I don't have parents like and I haven't talked to my mom since then occasional text messages here and there but like when I've gone back to New York like I haven't I didn't I didn't see her or, or anything like that it's just, uh, it's definitely something tricky, and, like, I don't expect anyone to understand. Uh, maybe there's some of you guys like, oh, no, you're a shitty-ass son or whatever, but, like, you not walking in my shoes. You didn't you didn't go through, like, what I went through. And, like, when we talked on the phone, obviously, a year ago, I was doing a lot better than, than I once was. Um, and so I tried to, like, uh, buy her dinner that night. She didn't want anything at all, um, but... That's kind of the background of, like, my upbringing and stuff like that. So, like, I have tatted on me. Some of you guys know this, maybe you don't. But it says family doesn't always mean blood. Uh, and that's part of the reason is, like, my relationship with family has never been... I've, I didn't grow up with that unified family. And I've always been envious of that. And I would do everything in my power to make sure that my kid has that. But, like, the people that have been family most to me are my friends. You know, Kareez, Nabil Zay, uh, my girlfriend, like, a handful of people. And there's some people that... You know, they played the role, but they were family. Uh, my boy Nico, like, people that I may not talk to as much. And there, there's many more that I'm leaving off the list, but um, that played that role of a family of, like, really being there and, like, and like helping me, helping me the most. Um, and just maybe some of you guys are like, damn, like, you're sitting here, if all that made sense, like, damn, I did not know you had an upbringing like that. And, like, obviously there's details I left out of certain things. It's probably better not to put all over the internet. But, like, I don't I don't want to share this in hopes that you guys are like, damn, like, I feel bad. Like, if anything, I want you guys to look at it and be like, damn, like, that's inspiring as fuck. Like, obviously there's some careers that have a rough background. There's some careers that grew up with both parents or grew up getting things, right? They get everything paid for. Uh, I had to grow up on my own. Uh, a lot faster than I wanted to. Um, but I want, I share that because I want you guys to understand that I'm human. I have, I know like, you guys listening to this, go through shit. You guys are struggling with whatever. There's things out of your control that you're dealing with, and it's hard. It is not easy. Um, it is definitely, uh, it takes a lot out of you. But when you do get through it, it's going to make you a lot, a lot stronger. Uh, and I and I give credit to that, to, to how I am today. Um all that thing 
have shaped me into like who I am. I feel that like, you know, growing up with a single mom, come on, my shit's on fucking. Uh, I grew up like a single mom and uh, like I think that's part of the reason why I, I treat my girlfriend so well is because it's in the sense of like giving my mom the, the man that she never had. But now I could be that man for somebody else. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I hope you guys draw some inspiration out of that. Like, if I can go from being homeless, growing up, not coming from anything, to now being successful, being able to live out my dreams. Um, whether it's just temporarily or whether I can keep going on this route, uh, it's really on your guys' support. Um, and understand that, like, whatever you're going through, like... Just just keep your head down and grind. Just know that, like, you got to keep moving. That was the biggest thing is that, like, I understood that, like, no matter what, feeling depressed, feeling down, feeling like, oh, uh, I'm going to get the text any moment now, you know, that I no longer have a mom, um, anything crazy like that. It's like I can sit here and, and frown on this or, like, sit on this, ponder on this, but it's not going to change anything. It doesn't change the situation, like, at the end of the day, I just got to grind. I just have to, like, keep going and keep going and keep pushing and keep pushing because, like, life doesn't stop for nobody. Nobody. doesn't matter. The sun's always going to set and it's always going to rise. You can get right or you can get left. As simple as that. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this podcast. Um, definitely a different style, and I really hope that, like, I didn't jump around too much with the live story. You guys were able to understand that. Your guys' support has been insane. You guys running up Code J. You guys buying the brand, buying the merch. Even just the comments and the love that I get on the post. It means it means the world. Uh, I guess I have no one else to uh, to point around and, uh, and, and, and say for the one-liner. So I guess what I'm going to leave you guys with is that understand that you are greater than the situation you're in. It's just a matter of time before you become the person that you are meant to be. As always, it's not that deep. Stand up.